welcome back to the Simple Podcast. It's your people, Perry, Mitch, and Jordan. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, gotta work on that. But um, today, y'all, we're gonna be talking about Christmas um, and kind of like why it's an important. Is it biblical and like kind of addressing some of the myths that go along with it? So like. When I think of Christmas, I think of all the beautiful Hallmark movies that are put out that I don't watch. I think about watching The Grinch and Elf and wearing cute sweaters and Amen. drinking <laughs> and drinking hot cocoa and peppermint things um, and getting presents. I think my favorite tradition that I do in my family is like I get a really obnoxious wrapping paper and wrap everybody's <laughs> gifts in that. that last glorious. year, you last were, year was you tacos. You that person. I, I am that person. Okay. Like, I'm going to continue <laughs> to do that. And my parents are probably going to hate me. Hey, mom and dad, love you guys. You probably don't listen to this, but if you do, you're great. Hey, Nana. Uh, hey, so, Nana. <laughs> my grandma. Um, so, Perry, like, what do you think all this stuff about Christmas is? Sure. Uh, just to kick it off, happy to be back. Um, we're all grateful to be able to talk about this topic. Um, personally, for me, you know, as much as I love the gingerbread house sweaters and the hot cocoa and everything, yes. um, I think the common thing that surrounds Christmas is, you know, you're celebrating Jesus' birthday. Um, and it's an interesting topic. Uh, I came up not in a religious household at all, so... You know, it was kind of just, oh, it's Jesus' birthday, but it's also present time. Um, and so mm. as, you know, winter rolled around, you know, I was kind of just <laughs> caught up in this maybe um, corporate scheme of the next toy and everything, and it was awesome. But at the same time, I feel like there's so much more to add to this idea of Christmas and what do we do it for? Um, and I'm just so happy that we've got Mitch on our side to help us lead us in this discussion. Mitch? Thanks, Mitchell. Yeah, I want to echo Perry's sentiments that it's, of course, great to be back. Talking about the Bible in any sort of public way is incredible, and it's a great honor to be able to do that, but also to go deeper than just what do we think the text says, but what does the text actually say is so amazing, and it's such an enjoyable experience. Now, when we talk about Christmas, we, we know that the Bible has two instances of Jesus' birth in Matthew and Luke. But they don't seem to work that well together, and there's some really confusing bits about them. Like this thing about mm. the shepherds in the fields, this thing about not having enough room at the inn. There are all these things that make people go, well, maybe this Christmas story is just a total myth. And that's a great shame, because in preparing for this podcast, I got to go through and look in some of the some of what experts have said about various aspects of this. It's quite fascinating. Okay. While we celebrate Christmas, there are, there are three times in which Jesus could be born, in the spring, in the fall, and in the winter. It's not just December 25th that's a possibility. But before we do that, it's a question of why do we celebrate it? Is it something historical, or is there something a little bit deeper behind that? Mm -hmm. What do you all think? Jordan? See, so like... I grew up in a kind of religious household, and so I didn't really know kind of what it meant. I'll like, I think I got like a kind of like a little, you know, that Jesus was born on that day, but like it was never quite clear to me. So maybe I think it was 
in my kind of perspective, it'd be more symbolic than historical, you know? Yeah, that's, uh, I think symbolic as well. I remember back to my childhood, um, and it's kind of ironic, by no means was I Ralphie, but I remember seeing what? this long rectangular box oh. uh, sitting on the Christmas tree <laughs> when I was maybe seven years old, and it had to be that Daisy baby gun. And so ever since then, Christmas has kind of been this um, holiday where presents are included and there's just this big thing around getting gifts. Um, and for the certain woke people out there, um, <laughs> shout out Tony Williams, uh, for Stop. certain woke people out there, um, it is also just this big corporate scheme where, you know, so much money gets spent and this is the holiday time and everything's on sale. And so I think that that's a fair point as well. And the, you know, why do we celebrate Christmas? You know, there's always going to be people, be people that try to, you know, earn off of something that people find sentimental. And so there are a lot of points to be made. Um, but maybe that's why I feel like Christmas is important. What yeah. was it like growing up in a Jewish household and kind of, Doing Christmas, Mitchell. Um, so it's kind of complicated in the sense that my family was sort of not particularly devout in either Judaism or Christianity. Wow. Oh. So it was very, very much like what Perry just talked about is it was really surfacy in that here's the time that we get presents mm -hmm. and occasionally we might talk about maybe the reason behind things like Hanukkah. And maybe occasionally we'll talk about something related to Christmas, yeah. like the Christ part of Christmas. But some, most, of the, most of the time we didn't. So I grew up not knowing a ton about either story in any real depth. Okay, so like your family didn't, like your family doesn't celebrate Hanukkah? Or we do. We, oh, okay. we don't celebrate it what I would call devoutly. Okay. That there's not an intense, the way that Hanukkah works or the way that other... Jewish holidays work, and sometimes there's a lot of storytelling about what God did for his people, Israel. Mm. And there's some traditions about that and so on and so forth. But that was not really the way that my family worked. Okay. And so you would say that celebrating this time, the holiday, and everything is largely just symbolic rather than sentimental? I would definitely agree. I think that, you know, there's some holidays that we celebrate the 4th of July, mm -hmm. that we celebrate yes. for historical reasons, that this is when Declaration of Independence, all of that stuff. There are other holidays that aren't quite that way, and Christmas is one of them. Some people insist passionately that Jesus was physically, literally born on December 25th <laughs> of some year. There's pretty great debate about what year that is. Mm -hmm. But... The Bible doesn't necessarily say that. Really? Mm. As, as we mentioned earlier, depending on how you interpret certain parts of the birth stories, three of the four seasons could have had Jesus' birth. Mm. So why, why do we celebrate it in winter, do y'all think? Um, personally, kind of what I hit on earlier, you know, it's... Uh, I think that... A big thing that's kind of gone around um, and that people have presented in the past is the idea that um, the Christian church in the first century, I think, uh, used pagan holidays um, 
that were in accordance with the moons and the, the stars and all this stuff and used them and surrounded them with Christian holidays in order to indoctrinate Christian beliefs. Um, that's something that is a polarizing topic to some, and by no means I, do I think it should discredit Christianity, um, but more so I think it should affirm Christianity as a historical and valid religion. Um, but I think there are some reasons there that would point to Christianity and Christmas being um, a symbolic holiday rather than a date-driven holiday. Mm. Um, yeah. Interesting. I have no idea why it's in December. Like that, <laughs> I'm kind of just kind of hoping that Mitchell will help me point, like help point me in the right direction. I don't know. Maybe they were trying to think of a holiday to celebrate in winter. Like you know, there's there's um, there's Halloween, and that's like right before fall. There's Thanksgiving in the <laughs> fall. There's Easter in the spring. Fourth of July in the summer. Maybe they just need something to fill winter. It could be when the elves, you know, start feeling like they're getting ready to work. Oh, Perry. Maybe. Is that a possibility? Perry, did your parents ever have a conversation with you? We're not, about what? About Santa Claus. What about, what about this person? <laughs> He's not real. It's okay, guys. <laughs> we know Santa isn't real. That was just a little spook. Kids. Parents, um, I encourage you, and I hope you're listening to our podcast before your kids do. But anyways, <laughs> uh, that's, our, that's our diversion right there. Mitch, um, Santa Claus, symbolism, pagans, all the above. Okay, this might be a really stupid question, but like summarize what like paganism and what the importance of like holidays and moons are. I heard you talking about moons. I don't, yeah. I don't know anything about, like, pagan culture, like, at all. Um, pagans were wrapped around, I think, and Mitch, <laughs> you're my fact check here, okay, buddy? But pagans are wrapped <laughs> around this, um, much like other religions, you know, <clears throat> false idols, idolatry, just trying to find any symbol of a higher power. Um, and <clears throat> in a sense, you know, they would revert to the winter solstice, um, the fall solstice, the spring, all this stuff where the new um, chapter of a moon would come in throughout the year. And they would mark that time of the year. They would have a holiday around it. Um, and when I talk about paganism and Christianity, the Christian church trying to, you know, indoctrinate beliefs upon a mass, uh, you know, population... Uh, they would do this in a way where they would surround these pagan holidays with their own holidays in order to try and spread the gospel um, and maybe confuse pagan holidays. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, Jordan. I'm shooketh because I think back to that, there's like a scripture in Thor. Uh, Thor. <laughs> Shout out to my dog for um, that talks about, um, it's in starting in verse three. Uh, what? Yeah, it is in, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. That just, wow, okay, that just kind of all ties everything together because I was like, okay, um, cool, like what do the pagans do? I should dive deeper into those things, but thanks for informing me in my ignorance. Yeah, and it was just something where they surrounded this idea that, 
um, just in order to bring in the new age, if you will. Um, and that's an argument. I don't know if that's a concrete argument, but that's something that possibly happened. Shugeth. Yeah, I think that it's always a little dangerous to look back and say, people did this because. Mm -hmm. Because pagans, especially Romans and Greeks, which are really what we're talking about, is cultures that have more than one god, mm. or in the Gre Greco-Roman case, have many, many gods. What's the word for that? Don't tell me. It's not monotheism. Is it polytheism? Yes. Oh! Had a girl. I'm smart. But yeah. Polytheistic societies have lots of gods and really have lots of festivals. The Romans have festivals all the time in terms of the ancient Roman culture. So it's always a little dangerous to say Christians modeled their holidays off of that because it's a correlation thing, not necessarily a causation. Hmm. Okay. And so, so what do you mean by that, Mitch? It's kind of like a... What do you mean by that? So it, it could be true that early Christians decided, hey, these pagans, they've got holidays they already celebrate. We could use that instead to talk about Jesus. And so let's use the Saturnalia festival, which is in usually late December, <laughs> as we'll just call that Christmas and okay. say, that's when Jesus was born. That's possible. It, it is 100% possible that that happened. It's oh also God. thoroughly possible it didn't. There's no concrete evidence that says this either did or didn't happen. Okay. And so when we talk about, you know, I think you mentioned earlier how Jesus could have been born in the spring, the fall, or the winter. Uh, what, what, how did you get into those? What, what did you find on that? Yeah, tell us about it. Yeah. So there are, of course, as we mentioned earlier, the two <clears throat> birth stories in Matthew and in Luke, both in, in chapter two, and both of them give these little clues as to when Jesus was actually born. Now, one of the more controversial is about the shepherds being in the fields yeah. when mm. Jesus is, is born. Now, most Westerners, Americans and, and Europeans have said, that means it couldn't have been in the winter because the shepherds wouldn't be in the fields in winter because it's cold. Now, this is kind of silly for two reasons. One, the winter in Israel is not the same as the winter in, say, Britain. <laughs> I would have assumed that we as a society would understand that, but for some reason we don't. But the other reason, which is probably a little more, I don't know, sophisticated might be the right word or accurate might be the right word, is that shepherds can be in the fields for lots of reasons. And actually one of the more one of the convincing arguments that I, I found when I was researching this, this whole subject was Professor uh, Epstein, who taught animal breeding at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, who what? wrote for the United Nations in 1985 <clears throat> that during the time of, say, the, the winter-ish, mm -hmm. the breeding season of sheep, so when sheep give birth to, uh, <laughs> to their children is in the, that particular group of sheep in the winter. Oh. oh. So the shepherds are in the fields. So if a sheep gives birth, it's not just laying there till morning, which would probably die of exposure. Rip. So th they could be in the field for that reason. That's perfectly valid. There are other reasons that might suggest that maybe not. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of conquered that one 
uh, argument that, you know, the shepherds are in the fields. You don't farm in the winter. Living in Kansas, uh, growing <laughs> up, <laughs> that's kind of been rattled into my school, all that stuff. So when we talk about the fall and the spring, that kind of lines up. But what were, what were the other points about how it might not be in the winter? Ah, so there are, there are plenty of things, for example, in uh, Matthew, the Matthew story. Okay. It talks about there's Matthew chapter <clears throat> two, if you're following along. Matthew chapter two talks about there's this census given by the emperor. No emperor would ever give a census in winter, especially not in Judea or that area because the winter is typically wet. We have highways today, so it really doesn't matter if it's wet. Might slow us down. Might have some people completely forget how to drive. <laughs> That's a given. But That's why I'm not allowed to drive. <laughs> Fair. Well, we made it here safe and sound, Jordan, so thank you very much. God was watching out for us. But Mitch, sorry. No, but uh, in, in winter, in, in places like Judea or really anywhere prior to the advent of, of roads, <laughs> if you have like a desert or a field or something, and it snows or it rains, that's not really passable for a while. <laughs> Snap. So you would have to be a little crazy, and there's very little information that suggests that Caesar Augustus, who's the emperor according to Luke chapter 2, verse 1, would say that there's a census happening in the winter. Okay. That's just a little crazy. So it suggests that it's happening some other time where maybe it's a little warmer and you don't have nearly as much trouble with roads or travel. So, so where do we go from this? You know, it is, it's that, that's very interesting uh, information, um, and it kind of discredits this whole idea that Jesus was born in the winter, and it kind of just points back to, you know, our previous discussion about, you know, Christmas is mainly symbolic. Um, is, do you have anything else, Jordan? Um, how are you feeling about all this stuff? You know that, like, gif of, like, the dude who, like, has his hands and there's, like, stars? He's going... So just, like, you feel like... I'm, like, like shook it. Like, I feel like my my head is exploding. And this is, like, totally, like, not... Okay, it might be slightly exaggerated, but, like, no idea that any of this is happening. I just kind of went with it. I was like, okay, like, we celebrate this holiday. Like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm just going to go with it. It probably says somewhere in the Bible... Shows you how much I need to dig into that. I think that we all, in some aspect, fall in there. Um, I know very little families that don't celebrate Christmas. Um, And I just think that it's important that whether or not Christmas is a symbolic or it's a date-driven holiday, that the idea around Christmas and why we celebrate Christmas is largely from this point of giving and being... um, genuine with our hearts and who we spend our time with, being around loved ones and um, trying to live in the spirit. Um, But suffice it to say, this is all interesting material and I'm really excited about how Mitch is going to continue to show us what winter means to Christmas and how they kind of correlate. Mitch, take us away, buddy. So we are going to, uh, instead of talking for a moment about truly the season. We're going to look a little bit deeper, I think, into some of these symbols here. So we pointed out the shepherds for a reason, because the shepherds are 
potentially the most important part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to look at some stuff that when I first saw it, completely blew my mind and was not expecting it, but makes a lot of sense. And that's no easy feat, ladies and gentlemen, just so we know. Guys, I saw Mitch carrying a book in here earlier, so he's about to drop some solid knowledge. Like, Fire. it was a pretty big book. His head is steaming right that's now. That's probably, like, what his light reading is, like a thousand-page book. <laughs> just did some light reading. Yeah. In all fairness, that book is light reading. It's awesome. Light reading. But it's like a thousand pages, Mitchell. Eh. <laughs> that's just that's just what I do. I am just th- I am just that way better nerd. historian. <laughs> We're being very sarcastic right now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I don't think we are though. Do you see the size of that book? Mitch is a humble man of God. Mitch. <laughs> Amen. I appreciate that, Perry. Um, but <sighs> there's some there's some important symbolism about lambs and about shepherds all across the Bible, New Testament, Old Testament, doesn't matter what it is. So 1 Corinthians chapter 5 references something. It's just a little offhand remark by Paul in the middle of a passage you wouldn't expect this to be found in. You wouldn't expect a passage that relates to Jesus's birth being found in that passage. Um, And if you read the whole context of 1 Corinthians 5, you'll understand what we're talking about. But 1 Corinthians 5, verses 7 and 8 say, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Mm. Now, do you all know where the lambs used for sacrifices in Jerusalem were, were raised? No. In the fields? Yes, wow. in the fields. <laughs> <laughs> I feel okay. Which, which fields? <laughs> the fields near Bethlehem. Oh. Bethlehem. Okay. And, and where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. Wow. <laughs> Revelation 5? We're Uh-oh. not going to read it, but... Are you about to sing for us? <laughs> Oh. Oh, dang. Why, why I was, would I be singing? I was referencing Revelation song, but it's fine. Yes. I, I think one of the verses from that song is actually driven from this that chapter. That's why I'm saying you should sing it. No. Do you want me to sing it? I'll pass. Oh. But if you haven't heard the song, it's very good. It's and Jordan, entitled Revelation Jordan song. will sing it for you voluntarily if you haven't heard it. Or if you have it. I, I will. It won't be as great as Emmy's version, but... Just go ahead and email us at simplepodcast1234 <laughs> gmail.com, and we'll get that audio file sent out to you right away, okay? Indeed but in the meantime, Mitch... So Revelation 5 talks about the Lamb of God, which is a messianic imagery. It's the one who is slain and is able to open the scroll. Okay. We're not going to get into what all of that means, but... Suffice it to say that the lamb is an important figure and it's both at the end of Jesus's life at his resurrection and before that at his birth that we have this imagery of lambs being, being created. And there's another particularly interesting uh, reference in the Old Testament. It's in Micah chapter four. 
a book that might take you a little while to find because it's not a common book. I know where it's at, maybe. It's right before the New Testament. Okay. It's like literally the last book of the Old Testament. No. Dang it. Which one am I thinking of? That's... I'm really sad. I was so confident in that. But uh, in in Micah chapter 4, verse 8 reads, As for you, watchtower of the flock, stronghold of daughter Zion, the former dominion will be restored to you. Kingship will come to daughter Jerusalem. Now, this watchtower of the flock, I don't have the phrase written here in Hebrew, but it has some some other connections to it. I'm going to leave it to, to you listeners to, to find out exactly what that phrase is and exactly what uh, it means in relation to this. A little bit of homework, and it gets you all reading Hebrew, which is a good thing. Uh, there is no such thing as too, too much Hebrew. But Micah chapter 4 is another one of these messianic prophecies. It's looking, mm. looking forward to Jesus. So we have this, this multiple, multiple forms of, of symbolism And it also gets us to this concept of Passover. Now, Passover is about the release of the Israelites from what? What thing are the Israelites released from? Slavery. Correct. Now, what does does Paul talk about in relation to to slavery? And what does Jesus talk about? Like in general? Mm -hmm. There's, There's a specific verse I'm thinking of in one of the Gospels that Jesus references this idea of slavery to Jewish people. Harry? Mitch? <laughs> John chapter 8. Uh, <gasps> to the Jews who had believed in him, etc., etc. And the Jews are, are totally, totally freaked out by Jesus' teaching because they think that they are free and are not enslaved to anything. <coughs> but Jesus tells them and shows them that they are slaves to sin, which is what Jesus' Passover death as the Passover lamb born in Bethlehem where the sacrifices for the temple are. So God raises up the sacrifices in the fields around Bethlehem for the temple and then raises up the ultimate sacrifice in Jesus. Okay, and so just to interject here and get my own bearings, you're saying that this (laughs) idea of the lamb in scripture correlates with Jesus being the lamb and maybe the irony or just the interconnectedness of the scripture through God's divine will traces the birthing of lambs in the winter to the birthing of Jesus in the winter and also the death of the lamb as the sacrifice of the lamb, Jesus? Pretty much. That's, that's a really good so summary. Wow. poetic. Okay. Shooketh. And, and if that's not enough, <laughs> the other times where Jesus could be born are related to other key festivals. So could have been, so there are, there are essentially three major festivals for Jews and Jesus's birth could have happened around any one of those three, just based off of clues that we find in the text that, that show us that perhaps based off of the cycle of the priests that reference in Luke one about the birth of John the Baptist, for example, it could have been at any of those times, but they're all very clearly linked with the, the Jewish cycle of, of essentially worship. And so at the point where all of that is true, it helps us to get a little bit more of this symbolism of Jesus's birth as a way of coming into the world to be that ultimate sacrifice instead of a child is born, let's go give each other presents. <laughs> Christmas is way deeper than just 
what we have contextualize it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it happened December 25th. Maybe it didn't. Yeah. I know for me, I don't particularly care. Do either of y'all? That it happened on December 25th? That it did or it didn't. Is it really a, a big deal for either of y'all? I don't think so. I think that it would be, um, it wouldn't be beneficial if we got lost in the details. Um, and I just, I love the way you presented this interconnectedness and symbolism because it's just so amazing and poetic that, you know, the birthing of sacri- of the greatest sacrifices ever come to be on the earth happens in a time where we're supposed to be sacrificing and giving. And perhaps maybe this whole idea of Christmas just comes down to the fact that regardless of when Jesus is born or how or where or whatever, (laughs) (laughs) that Christmas is a time where we truly live out his heart's wishes for us. And that's to be sacrificial and giving and loving. Um, Shook. Amen. That's a that's a good way to describe it. I don't think I've ever like fully pieced together me and holidays and the importance of holidays are like crazy. Like I just figured out like the importance of Easter like last year. <laughs> and that's really sad considering that <laughs> I mean, like it's just real. And you know, I figured it out while reading a book in Kids Kingdom and I was like, Oh, oh, okay, um, cool. Um You know, so, like, I think it's just, like, the little things that I learn along the way. It's just kind of helping me connect them. Like, okay, like, even though, like, people are saying, like, Jesus' birthday and, like, the whole idea of, like, the birth of Jesus couldn't happen around this day. Like, the importance should be that we should be kind of like Jesus and being sacrificial and giving and serving and, you know, just spending time with people that we care about a lot. Yeah. He is risen. Amen, he has. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's going to go ahead and wrap up our Christmas discussion. Um, if you guys have any questions, uh, we're, we're more than happy to answer them. Just go ahead and shoot us that email at simplepodcast1234gmail.com. Um, and, you know, Jordan, did you have any closing sentiments? Like... Other than the fact that I'm about to fall out my chair because I'm so shooketh. <laughs> Mitch, if you want to close this out, buddy. Yeah, um, we have barely scratched the surface of all of the cool stuff there is about Christmas and the symbolism therein. Uh, if you're interested in, if you want us to talk more about this, just let us know at the email that Perry gave. Uh, and we'd be happy to go in more depth about this or about other things. If there are other holidays you want to talk about the symbolism of or other questions you have about what it means to live like Jesus in this world and how we can most accurately be the humans that God has called us to be, let us know. We'd love to talk about it. But in the meantime, remember that just because the Bible doesn't answer your questions about was Jesus born December 25th or in the spring or in the winter or elsewhere, that that does not mean that Jesus did not was not born and that he did not die for us mm-hmm. and that he is not risen. Just because it doesn't give us the details we want does not mean we should ignore the details it wants to give us. That's right. Yeah. Also, don't forget that this podcast is accessible literally everywhere. We are on Spotify. Just type us in on Disciple FM. I think we're also on iTunes and Google Podcast and a few other little minor things that I can't remember the name of. And as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. I hope you have a good rest of your week.
and we'll chat with you later. Bye-bye.